We're going to begin a brand new series today entitled Four Hearts. And we're going to really look at a parable that Jesus spoke in Mark chapter 4. It's called the parable of the sower. And we're going to kind of dive in over the next few weeks and talk about what does it really mean to live a fruitful life in Christ. Because in Mark chapter 4, as Jesus tells the story of the, or the parable of the sower of seed, and he talks about those that sowed the seed and the different soils that it fell upon, Jesus really gives us a biblical prescription or understanding of what it means to live a fruitful life. And, and I've, been, I've been praying uh, for years, uh, two things that I pray for and that I have now for many years. I pray, number one, God, I want to be faithful. How many of you are thankful for faithful men and women? Come on, somebody. I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful to my family. I want to be faithful to the church. I want to be faithful to the calling of God that he has on my life. But I also realize something. It's not enough just to be faithful, but I want to be fruitful. I don't want to just show up, but I want my showing up to make a difference. I want my life not just to be a faithful presence, but to be a fruitful presence that brings the life of God and the blessing of God into the lives of other people. And in the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, Jesus really kind of unlocks what it means to live a fruitful life. And we're going to kind of begin today kind of looking at what Jesus taught us. So look with me in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, And once again Jesus began to teach by the lake shore. And a very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat and he sat in the boat while the people remained on the shore. And he taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, he said, a farmer went out to plant some seed. And as he scattered across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. And other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock and the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun and since it did not have deep roots, it died. Another seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plant so that they produced no grain. And still other seed fell on fertile soil. And they sprouted and grew and produced a crop some 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. In verse 9 he says, And anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And then we're going to jump down to verse 13 because in verse 13 the disciples had come to Jesus and they'd ask him to explain this parable. A parable was an earthly example of a spiritual truth. And so Jesus would tell stories using things that we could understand in order to convey spiritual truths that would impact our lives. And so in verse 13 Jesus says this, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable... How will you understand all the other parables? That's a powerful statement because what Jesus is telling us about the parable of the sower is that this parable is literally the key that unlocks our understanding to every other parable that he would teach us. So the key to understanding all the parables is understanding this parable because it is the key through which we unlock the truths that Jesus is trying to speak to us. So in verse 14, Jesus begins to explain this to us. And he says, the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. And the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. And the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. 
And the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. Verse 20. But the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. So look at that first point for all of you note takers this morning. So in this parable, Jesus describes four souls or what we're going to call four hearts in this scripture. He talked about the hardened heart, which was the footpath. He talked about the shallow heart, which was the shallow ground with the rocky soil. He talked about the crowded heart among the thorns that would choke out the seed. And then he talked about the open heart, the fertile ground, the good ground that would receive the word of God. And this is what I want you to see this morning. In this parable, Jesus tells us very clearly that God's word is the seed that is sown into the hearts and into the lives of people. And then he tells us something. The same seed can produce no fruit or much fruit depending upon the soil of our heart. Now that's a powerful thought. I want you to grab hold of that. Jesus tells this parable about four soils, four hearts, four types of people. And then he gives us a revelation. Here's the revelation. The same seed that produced a hundredfold harvest in one person's life produced no harvest in another person's life. The same seed that brought healing to one person brought nothing to another person. The same seed that brought salvation to one person brought no salvation to another person. The same seed that brought deliverance to one family brought no deliverance to another family. The same seed that restored one marriage in this marriage restored no marriages. Why? Because the problem is not the seed. The problem is the soil. The seed has the power to produce fruit. The Word of God will work if we will work the Word of God. I'm going to say it again. The Word of God will work if we will work the Word of God. Those who receive God's Word with a heart of faith and obedience will see the fruit of God's Word in their life every time, all the time. Why? Because the power of the seed is that it always contains the fruit of what God wants to do in our lives. So the revelation is simply this, that we begin to understand that there's nothing wrong with the seed of the Word. God's Word works. Every now and then I'll meet somebody and I'll begin to talk to them and they're struggling and they're battling through difficulties and challenges in their life and I'll ask them a question. I'll say, hey, are you going to church anywhere right now? And many times I'll get this response, well, no, I tried that and it didn't work. I'll say, well, are you reading your Bible? Well, you know, I tried that, but it didn't work. Well, how's your prayer life? Well, you know, I tried that, and it just didn't work for me. Let me tell you something. If the Word of God isn't working in your life, there's nothing wrong with the Word of God. If the Word of God isn't working in your life, there's nothing wrong with the Word of God. You and I have to check our hearts if the Word isn't producing fruit in our lives. So look at that next point. I want you to see this as we kind of just 
drill down on this thought about the power of God's word today. So the condition of our hearts determines the size of our harvest. And if you're not happy with the fruit of your life, then guess what? You've got to change your heart. If you're not happy with the fruit of your life, if you're not happy with what you're seeing, what you're experiencing, and what God is doing in your life, then you've got to change your heart. Why? Because our growth, our maturity, and our fruitfulness, listen to this, all stems from our response to God's Word. Our growth, our maturity, and our fruitfulness all stems from our response to God's Word. How you respond to the Word of God 100% determines the fruitfulness or the harvest or the manifestation of what God wants to do in your life. It is 100% determined by your response to God's Word. Galatians chapter 6, listen to this scripture. You know this verse if you're in the Bible. The Bible says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the Spirit will the Spirit reap everlasting life. I'm going to be honest with you, I've always kind of interpreted that scripture of sowing and reaping by, by thinking about how I'm treating others. The words that I'm speaking, the deeds that I'm doing, the actions that I'm taking, those are the seeds that I'm sowing in the lives of other people. And how many of you know that God will not be bought? The seeds that you sow determine the harvest you reap. How many of you know that when, somebody, when, when a person treats other people with kindness and compassion, there tend to be a lot of people speaking kindness and compassion back to them? And when you're bitter and resentful and negative and cruel of judgmental cynicism, how many of you know it's not hard to find a cynic in your life? Because the way we treat others really does determine the way that we get treated. Now, there are exceptions to the rule because sometimes people just want to be ugly and mean. Can I get an amen? But the reality is, is we do reap what we sow. But as I was studying this message, the Lord just kind of flipped the coin on me. He said, Keith, yes, the seeds that you sow determine the harvest you reap. But it's not just determined by what you're putting out. It's also determined by what you're putting in. If you sow to your flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And we all know this, but I'm just going to say it today. The, the things that you watch, the things that you listen to, the things that you read are seeds that you sow that go into your heart. And if you're sowing to your flesh, guess what? Of the flesh you'll reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, of the Spirit you'll reap everlasting life. I love that word everlasting life because everlasting life doesn't start when you die and go to heaven. Everlasting life begins when you get born again. And the word everlasting literally can be interpreted perpetual life. Jesus came that we could have perpetual, continual, unending, abundant, overflowing, resurrection, life. Every day of our life because that's who he is. He's a life-giving God. Can I get an amen from somebody? And so we have to begin to think about, if I want to change the fruit of my life, I've got to change my heart. I've got to ask myself, what am I sowing into my life? What am I reading? What music am I listening to? What books am I reading? What websites am I scrolling through? How much time am I spending on social media? How many reels am I watching a day? And is it feeding my flesh or is it feeding the spirit? And I just had this thought. Have you ever wondered why the devil works so hard to keep you out of the Bible? 
Think about that. You can scroll through social media for hours at a time, and you pick up your Bible, and in the first five minutes, there will be five distractions. You try to read your Bible. You try to have quiet time with the Lord. You try to worship and pray, and there'll be distractions, and there'll be interruptions, and there'll be challenges, and there'll be difficulties. Let me tell you why the devil hates the Word of God. He hates the Word of God because there is power in God's Word. Have you ever remember Genesis chapter 3? Y'all remember Genesis chapter 3? It was when Adam and Eve sinned and sin entered the world. And as a result of that, the curse of sin came on humanity. And if you remember, God is decreeing those curses. And do you remember what he said to the serpent, to Satan? He said that the seed of the woman will crush your head, but you will strike his heel. Now, that was a prophetic decree of Jesus. Jesus was the seed of the woman that would come, the Messiah that would crush the head of Satan and bring eternal life and eternal redemption to whosoever would believe in him. So Jesus said, or God said, it would be the seed of the woman that would crush the head of Satan. Well, guess who Jesus is? He is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The seed of the woman was the Word of God, Jesus Christ. And have you know God's Word will crush the head of the serpent? God's Word will crush his head in your life. God's Word will set you free from bondage. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen? Satan hates the Word of God because Jesus, the living Word, the Bible, the written Word, and the Holy Spirit who brings the quickened Word of God knows that every time you receive the Word, you crush the head of the Satan, of Satan, and victory and freedom and deliverance comes into your life. Now, I want to challenge you today. I want to give you four elements of God's Word. I just want to challenge you guys. I think... At Liberty Church, we do a pretty good job. We talk about reading your Bible. We talk about prayer. We talk about worship. We talk about your quiet time a lot. I mean, if you ever sit down with me for counsel, I'm always going to ask you, are you reading your Bible? How's your quiet time? What's going on? What's Jesus saying to you? That's, that's just going to happen all the time. There's no substitute for those things. But here's what I want to challenge you with. I think we need to be reading the Bible. I think we do a pretty good job of that. But I want to challenge you to go further. I want to challenge you not just to read the Bible, study the Bible. Begin to drill down on the truths of Scripture. Begin to dive into what God is saying. Begin to look a little deeper than just my daily reading. Why don't I begin to study the Scripture? We got some amazing scholars in this church. We got some amazing men and women of God who have studied the Scriptures to show themselves approved. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't say read the Scriptures. It says study the Scriptures to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not, be, uh, needs not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. It's not enough to read it. we got to study it. And then we need to meditate on the Scripture. Let me tell you, one of the greatest things you can do as a part of your daily discipline is to meditate on Scripture. Years ago, I started, I'll just take one verse, and I'll just meditate on that word verse. The word meditate is, is an interesting Hebrew word. It means like a cow chews the cud. And you know what a cow does when he chews cud? He chews on this stuff, and he swallows it, and this is a beautiful picture. He then regurgitates it into his mouth. Isn't that wonderful? 
And then he chews on it some more to get all the nourishment out of what he just ate. And he just keeps chewing on it and chewing on it and chewing on it. When the Psalms has said, thy word do I meditate on day and night, he said, literally, God, I'm chewing the cud. I'm continually bringing up one verse. I'm just meditating on your word. I'm sucking and chewing all the life out of the word. What would happen if you took one verse a day? And every time you had a free minute, you looked at it on your phone or on your Bible or on your notepad, wherever you got it, and you just read over that and you just begin to ponder it and you begin to pray over it and you begin to ponder it and you begin to pray over it and you begin to say, Holy Spirit, speak truth to me. What would happen if you just really began to not just read the Bible and study the Bible, what would happen if you begin to meditate on the truths of Scripture? And then last but not least, this one's going to challenge you. I think we need to memorize the Word. And that's kind of a lost art in our modern world today, memorizing Scripture. And I meet people all the time say, well, Pastor Keith, I, I can't memorize Scripture. I try and I try and I just can't do it. But yet we know every word to every song that comes on the radio. And for all you guys out there, you know all the statistics of your favorite players in your team. And you can't remember John 3.16. You know why you can't remember John 3.16? You don't want to. You want to remember the stats of your favorite player. You want to learn the words to your favorite song. And you don't remember scripture because you've never set your heart to say, that's what I want to do. So I want to challenge us today. This is worth the price of admission right here. I want to challenge you. Read your Bible. Study your Bible. Meditate on the truth of the Bible. And then begin to memorize scripture. What if you learn one verse a month? That'd be 12 verses a year. Well, Pastor Keith, that's not a lot. Well, it's probably 12 more than most people already know. Right? That would be life-altering and life-changing for each and every one of us. And the fruit of that word, hear me today, would bring life to the people that are around us. So am I sowing to the Spirit or am I feeding the flesh? Let me just challenge you with this and we're going to move on. We spend way too much time feeding our fears, feeding our insecurities, Feeding our doubts, feeding our worry, feeding our anxiety by all the things that we're watching, listening, and and, and consuming in our lives. And I want to just challenge you. What would happen if you stopped feeding your fears and your worries and your anxiety and your insecurities? And what if you started feeding your faith through the truth of God's word? Your life would Change. Can I get an amen from somebody today? So, let me give you a little paradigm shift. Look at this next point. So we change our hearts, listen to this, by changing our response to God's Word. We change our hearts by changing our response to God's Word. His Word is spirit and life. And if we receive the word, guess what? We receive spirit and we receive life. If we reject His Word, then guess what? We receive death. John 6, 63, Jesus said, my word is spirit and life. Romans 8, verse 6 says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded minded is life and peace. So we change our hearts. How do I change my heart? I got to change my response to God's word. The way I respond to the word of God. Now let me just tell you, we are complicated, wonderful creatures. When the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made, it is so true. Because this is what I know about me and what I know about you. I can be receiving God's word in one area of my life. And I can be resisting God's word in another area of my life all at the same time. I can receive one word and resist a word all at the same time. 
And here's what I know to be true, and you know this to be true in your life. The words you receive have changed your life. The words you've received have produced fruit in your life. The words you've received have allowed you to experience the very things that God has promised for your life. And when you reject the word, the only thing left is death. When you reject spirit and life, only thing left for you to receive is death. To be carnally minded is death. If I set my mind on the things of this world, then all I've got is the things of this world, which is not life and not peace and not joy, but death and destruction and chaos and confusion. And all of a sudden, I've got to recognize that if I want to change my heart, I've just got to change my response to God's Word. I want to challenge you to think about, is there any area in your life that you're resisting the Word of the Lord? Are you resisting God's word in any area of your life? I'm going to just tell you, I've been guilty more than once. I've been guilty more than once where God will begin to do something. How many know God loves you so much that the Holy Spirit will pinpoint one little bee thing in your life? And he'll just spotlight it with the revelation of his word. And all of a sudden, the light of God's word will begin to be illuminated over an area in your life. And if you're not careful, hear me today, if you're not careful, you'll resist those things that God is bringing into your life in order to correct you and redirect you and challenge you and change you. But here's the good news of the gospel. Your power to change is not based upon your power to change. Your power to change is based on your response to God's word. God's word has the power to change your life. God's word has the power to produce fruit in your life. God's word has the power to transform your marriage, transform your family, transform your community, transform your life. Years ago, I started praying this prayer. God, I want to I live every day with a yes on my heart. I want to just live with a yes. I want to have a yes on my heart. I want to be like Mary and say, God, according to your word, be it unto me. And so we've got to recognize that if we're going to change our heart, really all we've got to begin to do is change our response to the word of God. Because when I change my response to the word of God, I receive the spirit and life that comes from God's word to bring transformation. And all of a sudden, the God begins to produce fruit in me. Let, let's just be honest. We've all experienced change as a result of the works of our flesh that was hard. <laughs> you ever willpowered your way into some change? I'm just not going to do that anymore. And I mean, you're just going to do it. And that's commendable and that's honorable. But you know what? We've also experienced supernatural change. You ever had God just lift something off of you? <laughs> you ever have God just set you free? What was a 20-year battle all of a, sudden, all of a sudden became a one-day victory? Whoo, now I'm free. You know why? Because one is the work of your flesh that says, I'm going to use willpower. And the other is the work of the Spirit, which says, I'm going to use God's power through the work of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's Word. I'm just going to start receiving the Word. I'm going to receive the Word. I'm going to receive the Word. And I'm going to let God's Word produce fruit in me because God's Word won't return void. And that's powerful. I'm not saying it's effortless change because you've got to put forth the effort to receive the Word. But I am saying it's supernatural change that's not based on your willpower. It's based on God's power at work in your life through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God, which is amazing. Amen? Look at that next point. Let's continue to talk about the power of change. Right here it is. Changing isn't about stopping. And we're going to break this down. 
Changing isn't about stopping, it's about receiving the truth of God's Word. And the more words you receive, the more fruitful your life will be. And the more word you receive, the more you are able to receive. So I wrote this down, I don't want to mess it up. So think about this, changing isn't about stopping. What does that mean? It simply means this, changing isn't about stopping because if you constantly focus on what you want to stop doing, you will find yourself doing more of the wrong thing over and over and over again, right? Have you ever, ever went on one of those wonderful diets that we love to go on, right? And you're like saying, I'm not going to eat that, I'm not going to eat that, I'm not going to eat that, I'm not going to eat that. What happens? You end up eating it. And not only do you eat it, you eat everything else that's in the cabinet around it, right? Because the power of change, changing your heart is not about saying, I'm going to stop doing something, I'm going to stop doing something, I'm going to stop doing something. Because the more you focus on stopping doing something, the more you're going to end up doing the very thing you said you would stop doing. Many men who have battled with pornography understand, I'm not going to look at that, I'm not going to look at that, I'm not going to look at that, I'm not going to look at that. And the more they say they're not going to look at pornography, the more they are bent toward looking at pornography The more we say, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to respond that way, I'm not going to lose my temper, I'm not going to lose my temper, I'm not going to lose my temper, I'm not going to lose my temper until we blow up and lose our temper and end up hurting the very people we don't want to hurt. Why? Because the power of change is we don't change by stopping things, we change by receiving the truth of God's Word. When you receive the Word, the Word has life. When you receive the Word, the Word has power. When you receive the Word, the Word is able to transform you from the inside out and produce fruit that you could never produce on your own. So let me just give you a little, little, little confession here. So um, you guys know about four years ago I started losing weight and trying to get in shape. And, and I've done well. I've still got a ways to go, but I'm still working on it. And, and many of you know last week, last week I went and I rode 162 miles on my bicycle across the state of Florida from the Atlantic Ocean to the Gulf of Mexico. And it was an amazing journey. But here's what I recognized. I rode 162 miles on my bicycle last week and I gained weight. Because <laughs> every day when we got done with our ride, we'd celebrate by having a big old ice cream. Oh, it was good. I'm like, there, there's the reward at the end of that thing. So I realized, I realized, not just last week when I rode 162 miles, but I realized exercise is not enough. I got to actually eat, eat, eat healthy, and I got to eat the right kind of foods, and I got to eat the right amount of food if I want to lose weight and get in shape. So it's not enough just to exercise. I got to eat right. And so my weakness, and Kelly will tell you this, my weakness is I'll do really good through the day, and then we'll get in the evening after we eat supper, and we'll finally sit down about 7.30, 8 o'clock just to kind of relax. And I got the lazy boy, you know, it's so good. And when I sit down that lazy boy, my first thought is, I need something to eat. <laughs> and I'll sit there and I'll think, I'm not going to eat, don't need to eat. I'm not going to eat anything. 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 That does that last for about five minutes till I get up and go get something to eat. And so I'm doing, I'm doing this this day. So I'm, I'm struggling, right? Here's my struggle. I'm struggling, the, the, the after, 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 after supper struggle. So I'm doing this study this week, and I'm preparing. And, and so the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me on Wednesday. Thursday morning, I'm in my quiet time. And I said, okay, Lord, I said, I'm not going to eat anything after 7 o'clock. That's going to be my cutoff time, 7 o'clock. And my wife hadn't even noticed this. But I said, I'm not going to eat anything, anything after 7 o'clock. And then here, here's the ammunition the Lord gave me. He said, so tonight at 7 o'clock or 7.30 or 8 o'clock, whenever you sit down, and you have that thought, I need to eat something, instead of saying, no, I don't, I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to eat, he said, he said, instead of trying to stop doing the wrong thing, why don't you start receiving my word? And he just took me to the book of Galatians where the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. 
And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, so if you're filled with the Spirit and you're led by the Spirit, then you have self-control. So if you have self-control by the power of the Holy Spirit, then why are you eating after 7 o'clock? There's no reason for you to eat after 7 o'clock. you got self-control. So Thursday night when I said I'm a lazy boy and I'm sitting there, all of a sudden that first thought hit my mind. I need something to eat. And I just, I just said, Lord, I thank you that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And I didn't eat anything Thursday night after 7 o'clock. My wife didn't even notice. Friday night, we ate supper, and we're sitting there. I sat down at love, whatever time it was after 7 o'clock, and I sit down in the chair, and that thought hits me. You need something to eat. And I just said, Lord, I thank you that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And I didn't eat anything Friday night. And yesterday, we had a little football party at our house, and we ate hot wings for lunch. Woo, it's really good. And then we ate pizza for supper. That was awesome, too. So not really good, but anyway, we ate it. So <laughs> 7 o'clock came. And I didn't even have the thought. And I didn't eat anything last night after 7 o'clock. Now, I'm only three days in, so that's nothing to celebrate. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen tonight. No, I do. I'm in faith. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I believe in God, right? But, but here's the simplicity of it. All of a sudden, I went from trying to stop something, and I just started receiving something. God, your word says the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And I have the Holy Spirit. I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm led by the Spirit. I have self-control. And there's no reason that I have to be dictated by my appetite, my physical appetite, because the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So the power to change is not in stopping the wrong things. It's in receiving the truth of God's Word, which is the right thing in our lives. Amen? All right. Isaiah 55. This is a great scripture. Isaiah 55 says, Seek the Lord while you can find Him. Call on Him while He is near. Look at verse 7. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Now, how in the world is the wicked going to change his ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong? Look what he says. Let them turn to the Lord. Let them turn to the Lord. He didn't say let them try harder. He didn't say, let them tell themselves 45,000 times, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. He said, let them turn to the Lord. Why? Because he will have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. How many you know God didn't condemn me Wednesday night when I had popcorn and Oreos? <laughs> he didn't condemn me. But he did convict me of the fact that he had a better life. Come on, somebody. And then if I want to live long and preach the gospel, i got to take care of this body because you only get one until you die and go to heaven. Then you get a glorified body, and I'm excited about that one. I'm going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in heaven. <laughs> going to be awesome. But until then, <laughs> let them turn to the Lord. Why? Because God will forgive, and God will show mercy. I mean, no, God's not out to condemn you. God wants to empower you to change. And then he goes on. He says, so let them turn to the Lord. Look what he says, verse 8. For my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And the rain and the snow come down from heaven and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. Listen to this. God's word produces seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. The more you receive God's word, the more you're able to receive it. 
Because every time you receive a word of healing, inside that word of healing and the fruit of healing, guess what? Now there are more seeds of healing. Every fruit has more seed of the same fruit. Did y'all realize that? When you crack open that watermelon, that watermelon just doesn't have food to eat. It has seeds to sow more watermelon. And every time I receive God's word on healing, not only do I get to receive the fruit of healing, but inside the fruit of healing, there's more seeds of healing. Inside the fruit of deliverance, there's more seeds of deliverance. Inside the fruit of prosperity, there's more seeds to prosper. Inside the fruit of restoration, there's more seeds of restoration. God's word gives seed to the sower and food to eat. Look at verse 11. He says, and it is the same with my word. I send it out and it will always produce fruit. God's word always produces fruit. Now we know according to Mark chapter 4, it always produces fruit in the hearts of those who receive it. But God's word always produces fruit. The power of God's word is manifested in his word. His word always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Look at verse 12 and 13. Great verses right here. He says, and you will live in joy and peace. And the mountains and the hills will burst into song. And the trees of the field will clap their hands. You'll live in joy and peace. And there'll begin to be a celebration around you. Look at verse 13. He says, and where there were thorns, now cypress trees will grow. Where there were needles, now myrtles will spring up. And these events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. And they will be an everlasting sign of his power. God says, where there was thorns, there'll be trees. Where there's briars, there'll be fruit. Why? Not because you tried to change, but because you received the Word of God. And the Word of God has the power to change your life and produce the fruit of life in you. Stop trying to stop and start trying to receive the Word of God. It is the received Word, the engrafted Word, that produces fruit. So look at our last points right here. So how do we know when we've received the Word? How do I know when I've really received God's word. Well, we know that we have believed and received the word. Here it is, when we obey it. How do I know I've received the word of God? Because I obey it. I obey God's word. Faith without works is dead, and the fruit of faith is obedience. And I want you to look at this last statement right here. One of the greatest deceptions in the church is self-deception. One of the greatest deceptions in the church is self-deception. Why is it that way? Because we know the word of God, but we don't obey it. In James chapter 1 verse 22, listen to what the scripture says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, if I hear the word, but I don't do the word, guess what I've just done? I've deceived myself. Why? Because he goes on in the next verse. He says, for if you listen to the word, but you don't obey it, you're a hearer, but not a doer. It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for what? Doing it. God will bless you for doing it. It's in the doing of the word that the manifestation of that word comes to pass. The greatest area of deception in the church, I believe, is self-deception. Let me just tell you, I can't tell you how many times Kelly and I have counseled people, and we sit there and we've listened, and they've shared their struggles and their challenges and their problems, and, 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 and then we'll, we'll begin to do something like this. We'll say, well, you know, the Bible says this, and the Scripture says this, and Jesus says this. 
And then they'll say, because here's the challenge of counseling Christians. They already know that. You'll say, well, you know, the Bible says this, and the Scripture says this, and Jesus said that. And they'll say, oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that. Oh, oh yeah, I know that one. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I've heard that. I know that. I know that. And, and the truth is they do know it. The problem is they're just not obeying it. They know what the Bible says, but they're not obeying what the Bible says, and therefore they have deceived themselves. And then this is what happens. We, we, we expect like we need to hear something we've never heard before. You know, they're, like, they're looking at us like, Pastor Keith, Pastor Kelly, come on, we, we know all that stuff. You know, tell us something we don't know. Well, the problem is you don't need to hear something you don't know. You need to do what you do know, which is what Jesus said to do. And that's the challenge, and that's where deception comes in. We deceive ourselves because we know the Word and we've heard the Word, but we're just not doing the Word. Because when we do it, it's our obedience that is the fruit of our faith. How do I know I've received the Word? Because I'm obeying it. Until I obey what I've heard, I've not fully received the truth that God has given me. Until I forgive, I've not received that Word. Until I love, I've not received that Word. Until I give, I've not received that word. Until I serve, I've not received that word. Until I sacrifice, I've not really received that word. Until I tell others of what Jesus has done for me, I've not really received that word. And so I just want to challenge you today. I want you just to bow your heads for a minute. I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come. We've kind of shifted just a little bit. And I've asked our prayer teams to come up right now at the end of the service. So I want them to go ahead and come, make their way to the front. And I want to do this this morning. I just want to open the altar. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. I want to open the altar. And if you want somebody to pray with you, our prayer teams are available to pray with you. And they can pray with you about specifically what we're talking about now or anything going on in your life. Maybe you just want to come and kneel on the altar today. Maybe you just want to bend a knee and bow your head before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But let me ask you a question today. Is there any area in your life where you've rejected the word. And the Holy Spirit's been spotlighting some things. And you're just pushing back. And, and let me tell you something. Hey, I, I get it. <laughs> because this is what I know. I know that many times we push back because sometimes we've been hurt. <laughs> we've been wounded. Hey, let's just be honest. I think church is a pretty good place to be honest. Sometimes we even think God's let us down. Right, God, I was doing everything I knew to do, and it still didn't work. And sometimes we even get disappointed with the Lord. We feel like somehow God might have let us down. And so we just kind of resist those things, and we push back instead of pulling in to what God is saying and what God is doing. And I just want to challenge you this morning. If there's an area in your life where you realize, man, I've just been resisting, but today I want to receive God's Word, I just want you to come. I want you just to step out. And you can come pray with somebody. You can come kneel on the altar. But I want to just challenge you to step out and take a step of faith and say today, God, I just want to receive your word. I want to write a yes on my heart. If that's you, you come. The altar's open. The Holy Spirit is moving. And I believe that God is calling people unto himself. Stop resisting and start receiving. Maybe you realize there's some areas in your heart and in your life today that that have just been kind of closed off. We're going to talk over the next few weeks about those four types of soil, those four hearts, and we're going to drill a little deeper into what each of those really look like in our lives. But maybe you realize today there's a hardened place in your heart. And maybe you need God to heal the hurt so you can receive the Word. 
Whatever it is, I don't know what the struggle may be or where you may find yourself today, but I know that God is good and that He is not condemning you and judging you. And if we'll just turn to the Lord, we can change. If you're not happy with the fruit of your life, let's change our hearts. And let's just open our hearts and our lives to the Lord this morning. So the altar's open right now. If you need prayer, you come. If there's something going on in your life and you just want somebody to agree with you, we believe at Liberty Church in the power of prayer. We believe prayer changes things. And if you need prayer for any reason, you can come. The last thing I want to do as we get ready to close the service this morning is maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you realize you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never received the word of salvation. Hey, maybe you're a good person. Maybe you're a great person. Maybe you're the best person the people around you know. But it doesn't matter how good you are. Because the standard of God is perfection. And the truth is, there's no room, no person in this room, nobody watching online today that would even dare to think I've lived a perfect life. We all know we've sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've missed it. And if you're here today and you recognize you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and today you want to be born again, you believe. Here's what you got to receive. you got to receive the truth of Scripture that says He died on the cross for your sins as a sinless sacrifice. He took your place. He rose again on the third day so that you could be made right with God. And He wants to come into your heart and your life, be your Lord and your Savior. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, I want to be born again. I want to accept Jesus. I want to receive that word today and know that my sins are forgiven and that my future is secure in Christ. I want you just to raise your hand all over this building. Just slip your hand up. If you're watching online, you can hit that hand emoji. You can type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand. But this is your moment right now. I don't know the Lord, but I want to be saved today. I want to be born again. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. His hands are going up in the room here today. This is your opportunity to say, Jesus, I love you. Man, I want to accept you. I want to receive that gift. As you raise your hand, an usher's going to come. They're going to put a packet in your hand, and we're about to pray together. So if you've raised your hand this morning, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in the room today, we're going to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask everybody in the room just to say it with me. Let's say it out loud. And if you raised your hand, this is for you. Let's, let's receive the word of the Lord today. So let's say it together out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I, believe I believe and receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe he died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I confess that I've sinned and come short of your glory. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I receive your word. And I receive you, Jesus. I want to be born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. Our prayer team is going to remain up front for just a few minutes as these continue to pray. We love you guys. We're so honored that you're here. If you raised your hand today and you got a packet this morning, there's a card on the front of that packet. If you would fill that out, I'd love to personally follow up with you, congratulate you, and welcome you to the family. Uh, and you can give that to an usher on your way out today. If you're new to Liberty Church this morning and you did not grab a gift bag on your way in, we'd love for you to grab one on your way out. We love you. We're honored you're here. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord, and you're dismissed. Amen.